This is the remix. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff featuring Adam Candy. Don't forget to turn in tomorrow. We'll have a uh, bunch of good guests. Sam Gordon, Millsy Millard, Miles Simmons uh, is going to talk to NFL. And come on, it's Thursday. Have a drink with J.R. Starkus. Uh, so much, uh, great question by you to, to Jason Fitz about the offensive line and how fast Carr is going to have to get the ball out this year. And we've done, talked so much about the offensive line all, all season, uh, all off season. Aren't they going to do anything? Do they believe in the guys they have? Do they think they can coach them up? Another position I kind of want to go over with you is corner. Um, I think, you know, everyone's expecting uh, um, them to be a little better with Rock SN, uh, but Trayvon Mellon's been hurt. And I don't know, I, Nate Hobbs is probably the starting in the slot corner. I think this is, I don't know, but I think this is closer to offensive line than people are talking about in terms of do we really know what they have and how good are they really? Oh, and I agree with you 100%. If there's one area of the defense you have to look at right now, it's cornerback, and it got covered up last year because of Casey Hayward, right? Casey Hayward is signed on a one-year deal, and then you don't have to worry about it as much because he goes back to having elite performance. Well, Casey Hayward's gone, and you haven't really replaced him. Right. Uh, I think that people don't talk about it as much because at least you can look at the Rock Yassine acquisition in the Ngakwe trade and say they did something. And on the offensive line, they did absolute zero. Uh, so you look at last year's offensive line and say, well, they weren't very good last year. What makes you think they're going to be any good this right. year? With the cornerbacks, you can at least look and say, okay, Nate Hobbs was a revelation as a rookie last year. And you hope that Rocky Yassin can take a step forward. Uh, but if you look at Rocky Yassin's PFF grades and, and the reports on him, it's kind of like, all right, we're hoping that the upside here is for a number two corner. So it kind of comes down to Trayvon Mullen, A, staying healthy, and B, being the guy that he has been in the past when he was healthy. Uh, Anthony Everett's another guy. Breakout season for the Raiders. Um, PFF ranked him as a top 10 press coverage. Here they're, here's their uh, take on him. Everett is undoubtedly one of the better press corners in the league. He doesn't get targeted very often relative to others and limits yards when receivers do make catches against him. His 2020 numbers were aided by Marlon Humphrey facing number one receivers for most of the year. Everett will not have that luxury as the Raiders in 2022, but it appears unlikely defense coordinator Patrick Graham will task him with much pass run man man coverage. Could be a nice uh, could be a nice addition though if Trayvon Mullins continues to be hurt. I think if you're at the point where you're counting on Anthony Averett, you're probably in a little bit of trouble if you're the Raiders. Okay. Uh, and that, what you just mentioned is really key, that he was good last year when he had Marlon Humphrey there to help him. And then when he didn't have Marlon Humphrey there to help him, things took a precipitous turn for Anthony Averett. Uh, his PFF grades over the last four weeks were pretty bad, um, and that was about the time that there was no Peters and no Humphrey in that secondary, really over the second half of the season for the most part. But Anthony Averett, when he became the number one corner for the Ravens, really struggled uh, overall. He was a guy who was targeted a bit more frequently from that point on and you know, gave up about 56% completions. Not the worst uh, overall, but gave up about 14 yards per catch, uh, 253 yards after the catch on the season. Uh, 
overall, I, I'm hopeful that he can be a guy who works into the rotation, but I'm not thinking that this is going to be the guy who steps up and has that Casey Hayward kind of year. Well, and that's what my next question is to you in terms of breakout seasons. Everyone's talking about the offense, how great the offense is going to be. I don't really know if we know how good the defense is going to be. It has to be better than it has been in the last several years, or I don't know if the offense matters. Do you see this team, Adam, as one where – they're going to have to have a lot of guys play above expectations. Uh, maybe Averett is one of them to have breakout seasons to not finish fourth in the West. And, you know, I know Raider fans are driving off the road and, and screaming at me for saying fourth in the West, but I'm not so sure they won't be picked there by some people. Uh, is this a team that needs a lot of breakout seasons, or do you think the stars of it can kind of carry them, not knowing what we, not knowing what they really have defensively? Well, for Raiders fans driving off the road, here's what I'm going to ask you to look at. Okay, think about this. Do you have the best quarterback in the division? No. No. Nor do you have the second or third best quarterback in the division. You have the fourth best quarterback in the division who still is a guy who has a reasonable claim to be a top 10 NFL quarterback. But in the West, they probably have the fourth best overall roster at this moment. So I don't think the Raiders need to have otherworldly performance from guys in the secondary, right? It's not going to take having a Casey Hayward sort of year because I do think they should be that much better on defense. Chandler Jones is an upgrade from Yannick Ngakwe, but let's be realistic that Chandler Jones is a souped-up Yannick Ngakwe. He can't defend the run either anymore. He's just a guy who's better at getting to the quarterback. So now you look at the Raiders and say, okay, what can you do to help the offense out? Well, you just have to be able to slow the other team down. And I think that's what they're going to be able to do with the pass rush, right? I think the key for the Raiders is going to be getting enough pressure on the quarterback that you can, A, maybe force some incompletions and interceptions, but more importantly, get to the quarterback enough to cause some uh, second and 13s, third and 14s to put the defense in a position to win. And I think those are the things the Raiders can do to help the offense. Because if the line is even average, the offensive line is even average, this team's going to score enough points to be competitive week in and week mm -hmm. out. But the problem is being competitive against the rosters in the AFC West and against what uh, Sharp Football says is the second hardest schedule in the entire NFL might not be enough. They might end up being the best 9-8 and eight team we have seen in NFL history. Bischoff and I might be sitting here touting all of the amazing PFF grades and DVOA stats about this team, and they still might only win nine games because the schedule is that tough. Uh, you mentioned getting uh, pressure on the quarterback, and here we go again. We asked Fitz about them and Dominica Sue on a one-year deal. How much he made eight, nine, and nine in his one-year deals with Tampa uh, says that's done now. I, I'm, I'm with Fitz on it. I, I think when you go out of your way as much as he has in the last 24 hours. I don't even know how many people want him. He's really taken to Twitter and he was at the, he was at the, com, uh, the compound yesterday and he's on all these shows. Um, I'm not, I, I'm going to go out on this opinion and say, I don't need, I don't think there's an interest, a much of an interest on the Raider side. I might be proven wrong. And Fitz might be right. Maybe you take him through camp. Maybe you take through camp, you get three or four games under your belt. And then you say, Oh boy, that we might have 55 people in the defensive line room, but none of these guys are good inside. So let's call this guy. If in fact, no one signed him since. So I guess, what would you give him or what, what do you think his market value is? Now they have 20 in the cap. Bischoff said yesterday, you know, if, if you don't sign anyone else and he wants eight or nine and you've got 20, then just give him the eight or nine. 
Um, and maybe there's some maybe there's some sense to that. Now again, we don't know what they're going to do offensive line. We don't know who else they could sign. But if he wants that same deal at 35 years old as he had with Tampa, would you be okay with that? And just give me your thoughts on Sue. He's very durable. He's only missed two games in his career, but he's still 35 years old, and he's not what he once was. That's probably unfair to say because few are at 35 in that league. What do you think about Sue, and what do you think his market really is? Is he is he just out there saying all these things because nobody wants him? I think he really wants to be with the Raiders. I, I don't doubt that. I, I don't think he's just trying to drum up a market. I think he might like to come play in Vegas with a team that has really good edge rushers to take some of the heat off him and in a state that has no state income tax so that he gets all of those millions of dollars. I think all of that makes sense for Indomitian Sue. And look, when you look at what Sue did last year, 37 pressures in 718 snaps. Among defensive interior linemen, he was in the top 25 last year in getting pressure. That's great. Like a guy at that age who can still occasionally force the pocket and get to the quarterback is going to be someone who can help you. But let me read off a few other things for you. Over the last four years, the snap counts for Indomitian Sioux, 887, 874, 788, 718. He's played less over the course of the last four years. Not necessarily about injury, right? You just said he hasn't missed games. It's about his role being reduced. And so you would think putting a guy on a snap count means, well, he's going to perform better in the reps that you give him. Well, here in Dominican Sue's PFF run defense grades for the last five years, and I'm going one year farther back than I did on the snaps, 90, 80, 74, 67, and last year all the way down to 50. The performance is sliding on Indomitian Sue, even while he plays less. No big shock. He's 35 years old. So I think so if I you think bring, if him, bring him, in, him in, then the Raiders need to look at it and say, what do we expect to get out of him? And I don't know that that's an 8 or $9 million player. Inside right now, if they started today, uh, probably Hankins and, and Nichols. Uh, you've got literally, you've literally got 12 to 15 people in that room. They're not all going to make it. Um, what about the idea of okay? Let's just let a, let's play through the let's play through the preseason, see what you need, and maybe then you maybe then you go call him if nobody wants him. And I, I look, I don't know if he can last that long, because he is an interior defensive lineman. He's got a lot behind him in terms of his career. And maybe he'll take a, you know, if the Raiders don't come at him right, maybe, right away, maybe he'll take a cut rate to go somewhere else, even if he wants to play for the Raiders. And I agree with you. I do think he wants to play for them. I don't know what interest they have on their side. But do you play a few games? Do you say, you know what? And and as Fitz said, I don't know. I don't know what you think of this. I don't know how much of a training camp Sue needs. I don't want him going through training camp. <laughs> I don't want him going and putting any extra miles on his body that he doesn't have to at this point. And look, Raiders fans, I know I just gave you a lot of grades. Here's what I would tell you about Indomitian Sue. I know why you want him, right? The Indomitian Sue that you watched in Detroit for all those years and in Miami for all those years, he's a Raider, right? He's <laughs> the guy that has the attitude. He's an Al Davis Raider. If Al were still alive, this signing would have happened for $15 million yes. yesterday. Yeah, they've right? got 20 but to spare. You'd have given him 15. Absolutely. Would have kept just a little bit of money around uh, in case Rich Gannon wanted to come back. But, <laughs> you know, it, the Raiders right now have the luxury, I think, of being able to wait on a guy like Sue because he he's not that guy anymore. He, he's still a useful player, but I don't think the market at eight or nine million dictates that you need to go get the guy right here and right now. I think again, 
the ability to put him with two elite edge rushers is going to make him a better player. But I don't think the Raiders need to break whatever's left of their bank on a defensive interior lineman when you could be waiting to see if any more offensive linemen or cornerbacks get cut and might be a fit where you really might need that money. How much how much better are their ends that they can hide defensive weaknesses inside? Are they are going are they going to be that good cuz all we hear is the offense is great, the skill guys are great and oh boy, look at they got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Nothing said interior wise. Are they good enough in your opinion to really hide the weaknesses inside if they don't get someone like Sue? Yeah, because of today's NFL, right? Today's NFL is not a, an NFL that is going to exploit you up the middle anymore. It's not an NFL where you, you pound the fullback into the A-gap and try to blow it up for four yards. I do think you can do it with that. I do think you can probably do it with scheming up linebackers as well, right? I think you can probably do it with some linebacker positioning and holding the middle. So I think you look at the Raiders and say, what do they want to do? Well, they want to make Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Justin Herbert move. And yeah, it would be nice if you could do that up the middle, but there aren't a lot of teams that can do it up the middle. If you don't have Aaron Donald, you're not causing a lot of pressure from the inside. When we come back, good stuff there on the Raiders. When we come back, hey, guess what? It's Sam and Ash. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Oh, here they are. Sam and Ash, best in the business. How are you guys doing? Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, I hear it's a birthday. Is there a birthday what, on the show? There is, and he's he's headed to Mexico. <laughs> he's in. He's oh in. I, he might be in the air right now. He said to Echo that I'm just going on vacation. That's how he parties. He leaves yeah. you hanging. Yeah, you're darn right, Danny. Me, we're all <laughs> right out. How are you guys doing? Great. How are Good. you? Yeah, we're fine. I'm, I, I usually usually I'm gone, uh, but today I'm uh, today I'm going to take take the reins on this thing. Um, Let's get into it because there's like three really cool, well, I shouldn't say cool, but they're really interesting <laughs> stories that we want to go over with you guys. First one, Vanessa Bryant is suing the L.A. County deputy who took the uh, alleged crash pics of a, uh, Kobe's helicopter crash. This is interesting, though. She's accusing, uh, she's saying that um, that this officer was involved in another scandal using excessive force when a handcuffed an inmate's head was allegedly knelt on. The county's fighting back, insisting the other incident is irrelevant and would seriously prejudice the jury. What do you think about this? And, and can you talk to me about when other incidents play into a case that really doesn't have anything to do with that? Yeah, absolutely. This is really interesting. And what we always hear about is if you have a, a someone, a defendant on trial, either criminal or civilly, what the plaintiff or prosecutor wants to do is show all these prior bad acts, whether they're identical or not. They want to go, look, this is a bad actor. They did X, Y, and Z previously. Therefore, they definitely did A, B, and C. Right. And the evidence rules don't allow that most of the time. They won't let you do that. They're going to keep that out because it'll prejudice the jury. There are instances where if the plaintiff or prosecutor can say, look, I'm, I want to bring this, this uh, excessive force case here in the Vanessa Bryant case. They, I want to bring this excessive force claim that happened a few years ago up in the current trial, not 
for the purpose of saying he did this, so therefore he did that, for some other reason, and the judge determines that reason, that alternate reason is legitimate enough, the judge will allow it. Now, look, these evidentiary fights, they're very contentious. It happens very often, very frequently, and if you know, the sheriffs lose, they could take it up on appeal to get it back. I mean, it's critical what they what they determine, what these judges determine. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but I see it maybe not being it, admitted. Is well, this I, something on appeal, Sam? Is this something on appeal you do after the case is over? Because, no, 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 no. You, oh, okay. you, these, are, these are motions in limine that get sorted out before trial. And obviously, if, if the other side feels like this, this affected the outcome, there can be an appeal later. But my take on this is that they, they've already gotten it into evidence, right? We're talking about it. It's on TMZ. The yeah. video's out there. Mm-hmm. The entire yeah. purpose of this exercise is to get us, get every potential juror to already know that this deputy is a, is a, is a D-bag. And, and that is... So in that sense, to me, what the legal team's doing here is they're fighting this case in the court of public opinion. It's very smart. This can't be, well, I shouldn't say this can't be because anything can't be relevant to taking the pictures, can it? Um, well, no. I mean, it, it could it could speak to the fact that the deputy is it, it doesn't follow policy and, okay. and, okay. and, and, and that good. the department, yeah. remember, because we're, we're, go, we're asking the department to be liable, right? So this is a, a failure of the department to... Uh, to that where they previously allowed somebody who potentially wasn't following policy to remain so it, it I, I there is a valid argument for for why you allow it in but ashley's equally correct that that it's also quite likely it won't be allowed in that the judge will see it as too prejudicial yeah it really comes down to the judge so i'm curious to see what they said uh embattled browns quarterback deshaun watson reached confidential settlements with uh, 20 of 24 women suing him for sexual misconduct He's denied the claims. He also said he wasn't going to settle, but here he is. Um, forced to, has been accused of forcing two women to for oral sex uh, and doing other things to them or with them. In total, 18 women claim he touched them uh, during massages inappropriately. So a lot of stuff there, but he settles with 20 of the 24. I wanted to ask you guys this. I was thinking about this yesterday when it comes to NDAs. So I assume that NDAs have been signed because there's no way he wants out how much he, have to, he had to pay them. I've always thought, especially with 20, 20 uh, uh, women here, you sign an NDA, but maybe you tell someone who tells someone. Um, is the money, this may be a crazy question, is the money paid up front, and if like six months down the road we find out Deshaun Watson paid them $200,000 each and they think they know which woman said it, can they go after them for the money? I've always NDAs have always confused me because I'm like, how long does it really take for you to get the money back if in some reason down the road someone says, yeah, you got a hundred grand. Yeah, so absolutely. If there's a confidentiality clause involved in any settlement agreement, uh, you got to abide by it. It's one of the things that we, when we deal with settlements with our clients day in and day out, if the other side, it happens a lot with rideshare companies, they want confidentiality agreements. We have to advise our clients strictly, like you cannot disclose this because it says in the agreement what the damages and how the damages will be calculated right. later on. And so there is no there is no like statute of limitations on it really i mean if if someone seven years from now breaches their confidentiality agreement yeah deshaun watson can come after them for damages he'll have to prove what his losses were by the statement that were made he'll have to prove who made the statement etc etc but yeah it's very serious agreement 
but it gets violated all the time. I mean, there was, yeah, there, I, was there was, I mean, look that. at Vince McMahon. He just, he, he had an NDA with what seems to be his mistress and, and then her, her friend came out and blew the whistle on it. And that could have very well been done in concert with the, uh, the lady that was that was under the NDA, but because it's a third party, all of a sudden, it's much harder to go in and to enforce the terms of the agreement. So there are all sorts of ways around an NDA. Um, I I, th- I think the bigger issue here and the better benefit of of settling out this claim, these claims, is that the the legal process doesn't continue, and he avoids having to be deposed in these cases and going on the record uh, with anything that may have or may not have happened mm-hmm. and and that avoids that that this is a huge strategic win for him with or without the ndas with uh with this many women that he settled with and they had to sign an nda if it did get out by one of them how would he go about finding out which one it was to potentially bring a lawsuit against that one <laughs> It's yeah, <laughs> a great question. I mean, it, it all comes out. Is it a tweet? Who who wrote it? Whose account is it? Who are they linked to? I mean, you just do a basic criminal investigation kind of deal where you try and put in pieces together to figure it out. And, and and maybe he does the same thing to all the women, right? I mean, apparently there's some some common, you know, common elements here, but but also could relate to the incident right what is she saying oh well that sure sounds like you know like susie right but it, it could be tough if if they put it out there anonymously and and they you know they they write they write about their experience on i don't know like on reddit or something they they use an alias and then you got you got to go through all sorts of legal steps to get at the person who made the post and you, you may not necessarily be successful uh two texas grand juries declined to press charges against watson now we know there are still four women who did not take the settlement so what do you guys think are the next steps? Are they, uh, you know, is it the next steps for them to get their stories out more publicly? If you don't take the settlement, like what, what can they come, can they sue him? Are they basically suing him for more than the settlement was? So the legal process will continue. They'll move closer toward a jury trial. And I mean, I presume he offered them settlement. So I didn't right. hear whether or not they were and they rejected him or whether he just didn't offer these for settlement for some reason, whether he didn't ever meet with them um, but let's just presume he's settling with everyone to move on uh, these cases will just move forward they clearly thought the value wasn't enough for what they went through and so it'll continue toward trial and like sam said depositions will occur discovery questions will be asked by both sides and so we'll see more evidence come to the surface uh, another one we have for you guys and uh, nascar's clint boyer struck and killed a woman in a tragic car accident uh uh, middle of the 43 year old ex racer said he was traveling in a 2019 Nissan Rogue when he hit a pedestrian in the middle of the street. Um, I believe he he took uh, a breathalyzer at the scene. I thought it was I thought he also took blood, but he didn't. It did, according to the story, is a breathalyzer 0.00, so he had nothing, uh, no alcohol in him. According to officers in the docks, a crystallized substance believed to be uh, methamphetamine was found near the woman's belongings and residents in a near RV park. Said the woman was staying, uh, and she believed that she had been under under the influence of drugs. How, when when she's under the influence and she's walking across the street, we've or I think we did this with uh, Andy Reid's son, which was a different deal. Is there any chance he ch- faces charges at all in in this sense? He wasn't impaired, and take us through when things like happen when it's not an impaired driver, but it, it appears to be the person who's struck who's impaired. 
Well, e- even even if he was impaired, it doesn't automatically mean that he's the cause of the accident. Okay. Because there's two two parts to it, right? You have to prove that that the, there's impairment, and right. then that impairment, you know, that there, and then there's then you, then that you're at fault for the accident. So if you've got a person on crystal meth that runs out in the middle of the street, uh, and and you have no way of reasonably avoiding that person, uh, then you know, then I I I, th- I think even then you you'd have a, a tough uh, a tough uh, case. Yeah, we're seeing this is the argument we're reading about with the UNLV uh, commit, former mm-hmm. UNLV commit. Mm-hmm. That's the argument is that he did not cause the accident. Yes, he was under the influence of marijuana, mm-hmm. but he was not the cause of the accident. Uh, so, would the victim's family have any grounds to sue? Can they go after him? You know, so it's a sm- it's a lower standard for a civil case versus criminal charges, like, and so. They likely would pursue a civil insurance claim for some type of settlement, just but there's usually I don't know the laws where this happened, but they'll look at the comparative fault between the two, the driver and the person in the road. And so they'll look at a, and do a balance of who is primarily at fault and that recovery would be reduced by that. Do you guys have any idea how much I learn each week with you guys? <laughs> I, I, is that why I, you don't I, you skip weeks? No, it's, it's not, I, no, that's not fair. Come on, I get I get I get the newspaper. You know this. Uh, at Sam and Ash Law on Twitter, 702-820-1234. Best in the business. Give them a call. Sam and Ash Injury Law. Thanks, you guys. We really appreciate it. I will talk to you next week, and I hope the birthday boy's with me. Oh, All right, beautiful. See ya. Bye. Take care. Sam and Ash, 820-1234. All right, when we come back, it's Candy's Chonies. Candies, chonies. Eh, nobody cares about that. It's not a big deal. Guys. It is a massive deal. How do you not understand this? Hundreds of corporations have been hacked in the last few years, and no one gave it. Name one. Equifax. Candies, chonies. Name another. Target. Candies, chonies. Name another one. PlayStation. Name one more. Yahoo. Another. Marriott. It's one more. It's eBay, Uber, Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Home Depot, Facebook. God damn it. Candies, chonies. Fine, we UPS, get it. Chase Bank, Tumblr, LinkedIn. People don't care about privacy. What they care about is a good story. So, if you were with us on Monday, you heard Ed Graney do something that maybe was more impossible than breaking Joe DiMaggio's hit streak or Cal <laughs> Ripken's consecutive games played number. Uh, Ed Graney went two for three inside my chonies. And, and uh, let's be honest here, folks. Come on. Not a lot of people go two for three inside my chonies. I never uh, gotten two for anything. <laughs> what do you mean two for three? I never gotten two. And so the fact that you got two really, it shook me and it made me reconsider what's inside my chonies. And I thought, we need to find some different things inside my chonies here today. Uh, so we're going to change the game just a little bit, <sighs> just ever so slightly. Um, I will tell you that there is a theme to the chonies. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you numbers, and I just want you to tell me what the numbers are. And then I'm going to let you guess whose numbers these are. Okay. Okay? Does that make sense? They're, they're numbers from an athlete. They all relate to a single athlete. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to give you some numbers and I'm going to w- let you try to figure out what those relate to with this athlete. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. 
Okay. In 2014, this athlete played six games of college football. Okay. 2014. Okay. Okay. Six games of college football. You don't have anything there yet, do you? No, no. Okay. Come on. No, no. Still at the top level of this uh, of this pyramid. Okay. Uh, this athlete registered 12 carries for 38 yards. Six games in 2014, carried the ball 12 times for 38 yards. Anything okay. yet? No? Okay. No. Uh, had one catch for seven yards in the season opener against Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart? Hmm. Boy, this is really going bad. Hmm. It's like da- Danny's, Danny's laughing his head off over here. He's like, he, Danny's hmm. looking at my face right now saying, there's no chance you have any idea what this guy's talking about. Uh, okay. just, just Ed's reaction to Sacred Heart says it all. I'm trying okay. to think Sacred Heart. Did UNLV play Sacred Heart? Now back, <laughs> that was now back at Carrollwood Day School, back at Carrollwood Day School, as a senior, 74 of 144 passing the ball for, a, for 1,466 yards and 17 touchdowns. Where's Carrollwood Day School? Hmm. Played quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, and safety. Was a team captain for two years. The team captain for two years. So, what do we know so far about this athlete, this mystery athlete that Ed's <laughs> that trying a, to get? That guess. is a huge mystery to me. 2014 college football player. 12 carries for 38 yards over the course of six games. One catch for seven yards. As a high school quarterback, 17 touchdowns in his senior season. 1,973 total yards of offense. Okay. All right. Okay. 325 pounds. No, that's not uh, that's not what this person weighs. I was gonna say, and Donald Soup did all that, and he he passed for that much against Sacred Heart. Keep that number in mind. I'm giving you a little tease there, a little tease to try to help you out. Okay, this athlete is the school record holder at Carrollwood Day School in the 800 meters. Ran it in 210. Ooh, so he's a little he's he's fast, and he bench pressed. 200, 325 pounds as a running as back. a high school senior. He bench pressed 325 pounds as a high school senior, Ed. He was a he was a quarterback and a receiver and a in running high back. school. And he bench pressed 325 pounds. Does that help you at all? I think it does. Deuce Who is Deuce the mystery Gruden. athlete? The deucer. The mystery athlete of the day is Deuce Gruden, yeah! number twenty-three. Nice. And I, I the, had no clue until you gave me the three twenty-five. I had to wait until the very yeah, end because otherwise <laughs> I would have given it away to you far too easily. Uh, Deuce Gruden of Carrollwood Day School in Tampa, Florida, in two thousand fourteen, twelve carries, thirty-eight yards. All but one carry came against Robert Morris on September thirteenth. Born. January 19th, 1994, born the first month of the year and first in Ed Graney's heart at all times, the Deucer. The Deucer. Deuce Gruden. That is awesome. I, I, I mean, look, Danny saw my face. The more you went into it, the more I'm like, I, I, I was thinking of, yeah, I was, I was down the road of thinking of Raiders. Yeah. Like, because I, I thought it was, it would be a Raider, and, and, but I had no idea it was a Deucer. Deucer played, uh, uh, f- he's either a fullback or running back in college, right? He was. He, uh, his position is officially listed as tailback. 
uh, five foot six, one hundred ninety pounds. Wow! Wow! And he benched three twenty five. Well, he's a pro yes. body uh, uh, pro lifter. Deucer uh, went yeah. for like six. Willie had it the other day for me. I don't know if it's a squat or what, but the Deucer was in town at a uh, competition. And all I know is the first number started with a six, so I didn't need to know any more than that. I think that I think they said that was for squat. Yeah, six something on the squat from the deucer. That's you impressive. Love that. Okay, so if we assume he's still in the range of two hundred pounds, then we're gonna assume he just squatted three times his body weight. Yes, yes. I, he he was in the he was in the mid sixes. Willie tweeted it to me because I think I don't even know I don't know if Willie went to the competition or he just got a because uh, you know he. Perfect lifestyle, and he and Jordan is Jordan. Uh, his son is a professional bodybuilder. Um, but the deucer was at this competition, and I saw the uh, I saw the uh, film of it, and it was impressive. Danny's looking what, what, it up right now. What do you mean if Willie went to the competition? As <laughs> though there's not like a pops category where Willie was out there just deadlifting fools. Willie Willie went out there to this competition. And he was like, you know what? I don't even need you to put those weights on the bar. You just give me all these other guys who want to compete against me. I'm deadlifting all of them. Pops might have been running the competition for all we know. <laughs> might have been sponsored saying. by Perfect Lifestyle. It's, a, it's it, entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, uh, Deuce Gruden has gone on to uh, he's winning powerlifting competitions in Belarus. Like He's all over the world now. I love that. I, I love that you can I brought the deucer into the chonies. Boy, you, you, you reached down on the chonies pretty much, man, to get the, to bring out the deucer. Well Does I this mean, did I I waited too long for this to count, right? I waited too long. Oh did, no no no. I no. I look, it's kind of a declining scale of points. Like you would have gotten the most points had Carol Wood Day School tip something off for you. Nah, but yeah, I didn't the fact that you that got was. it on the bench press was good enough for me. I, okay. I'm counting this one as a as a winner. You, sir. Once again, for the second time in three days, you are a winner inside my chonies. Man, I think tomorrow is going to be really difficult. You're going to have to – I think you're coming hard at me tomorrow, and you're just going to embarrass me. I well, think there's going to be numbers tomorrow. You won't give me any hints. I'll be like, I'll be like guessing weird names. Uh, uh, what do you got? You got Deucer? Uh, I'm still looking, but I have a feeling Candy's just going to throw out like 12. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the number is 46. <laughs> who, who am I talking about? Uh, no, let me let me just add in a few more a few more pieces of information here. Uh, Deuce was the Carrollwood Day School Prep Patriot Award winner, given out to the Student Athlete of the Year, okay, and a member of the Spanish Honor Society. I want to say this school was probably in Florida. Was that where his dad was? Yeah. Yep, the uh, hometown of Tampa, Florida. Um, what I want to know is with the Spanish Honor Society, does that mean that you were really good at speaking Spanish or were you guys like cooking tapas? I think it was probably speaking. <laughs> but the other I, but I the like latter would be a lot better. more fun. I do. I like my version far better. Yes. Uh, also that. played soccer for one season. Can you imagine trying to get the ball away from Deuce Gruden, no. the soccer player? No, Deuce are uh, close to the ground with the dribbling. You kidding me? Forget it. Forget I mean, it. You forget he doesn't even need to shoot through. the ball. He's just going to carry it yeah, all the way into the goal. All the way in and throw it at people. Ah, we love Deucer. Wanted to do. I, I told you in the past. Wanted to do something on Deucer. Didn't get the call back. Wanted. To, I thought it'd be an interesting column. That was when his dad was a coach. I thought, oh, people probably don't know this about Deuce that he's this power lifter and uh, does a great job with that. But uh, got the uh, got the uh, big 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 no. Didn't 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 want anything to do with it. Felt bad. Yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, now I have a feeling they would be they would worry that it's going to be like Deuce. Tell us about your power lifting. Yeah. Hey, you ever read your dad's computer? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, there it is. I've gotten another one. 
Tune in tomorrow because he's absolutely going to destroy me. When we come back, Danny actually has some football questions to close the show. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Danny, check your DMs. I just got a DM telling you to check your DMs. Interesting. DM yeah. about a DM. DM about a DM. It's from Pops. There's got to be a picture of the deucer. Ah, he sent me a link to... Okay, so the Nationals at the Westgate. He's uh, Deuce Gruden squatted 677. Jeez. Benched 452, which was a personal record and an American record for his class. He also deadlifted 694 for a total weight of 1,801 pounds for fourth overall. Thank you for that, Willie. Have we lifted that much in our lives? Yes, I have. Okay. Just because I, I played football in high school, so had to lift all the time. Okay. Adam? Ed, you've seen me in person. You know well, I mean, I'm saying question. our whole lives. I don't know if, I mean. I'm, oh, I mean, have I, look, have I lifted a thousand pounds in my life? Yeah, yeah. There was a time when I was strong enough to like bench 200, but yeah. that ain't now. Like, I'm, I'm just putting this together in my head. So the bar weighs 45 pounds, yeah. right? Well, bar weighs 45. So we had to have at least nine of the 45 plates on there or some combination adding up to it. That looks like it would break the bar, wouldn't yeah. it? Like I don't understand how he does this. I saw the I saw the video of it, and literally the two sides were hanging down. I mean, it was just it was absolutely insane. It's great seeing that when people are squatting and the the bar just looks like it's made out of rubber. Yeah, like it's folding. It's amazing. All right, we're gonna finish it up, Danny. You got football questions? Yeah, just two quick questions. First one about Indomitian Sue. As Adam said earlier. His PFF has gone down over the last few years. Um, his snap count has gone down over the last few years. And statistically, he just had his worst tackling season of his career. Only 27 combined between solo and assisted tackles. In terms of contract, he made eight, nine, and nine, I believe you said, for the last three years. Would it? Do you think it would interest him to potentially take like a six million base and then an incentive for maybe another two or three. I mean, what do you think? I, don't, I, I, I just think it depends on how many people want the guy. I mean, if nobody wants him and the Raiders say, well, we know nobody wants you. We're going to give you this kind of deal. Do you want to play or not? How bad, how badly do you want to play? Well, I think we, the, what we can do if we want to talk about the actual monetary value is we can look at what other defensive linemen are getting. Right. And yeah. ask about, you know, what's the cap number. Right. And so when you talk about base salary versus incentives, there's a whole lot of cap magic that can be done to work this out. Um, but let me just give you an example. This year, Sebastian Joseph Day, who just won a Super Bowl with the Rams and is thought of as a pretty solid run defender and is being talked about as one of those guys who's really going to help out for the Chargers in terms of improving what was one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Sebastian Joseph Day got five million dollars. Uh, on in 2022 money ed oliver with the bills another really solid offensive lineman or defensive lineman got 6.2 million um it's not till you start getting into some players that you're really going to recognize as top level players kenny clark has 9.9 .9. quinn williams with the jets has 10 and a half 
Grady Jarrett, who has a reputation as being able to get to the quarterback, is making 13. J.J. Watt's making 15-9. So I think if you're looking at Ndamukong Sue, there's not a justification to be paying him $9 million this right, year. Right. There just isn't. Deron Payne's going to make 8.5, and, and he's a far better player. So, again, any player is worth what the market will pay him, but I don't see it uh, with the Raiders needing to pay that kind of money for Ndamukong Sue. Okay. And then my follow-up, because he didn't get named and he's kind of close to mine and Ed's heart being Cowboys fans, where does Jason Witten line up in your top tight ends of all ah, time? Big wit. Because, I mean, he does have that local tie with the Raiders, so I decided to bring him up. I thought, I mean, you can tell me what you think, Andy. I, I, I just think it's, it's an automatic that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I oh he's gonna make the Hall of Fame. There's okay. no question about that. But now we're just talking about okay, we're gonna get into the where does he rank among all time tight ends. Okay, so I, I think the best thing we can do is throw some names out there, right? Okay, we talked about Gonzalez, Gronkowski, and Gates. I think you're pretty clear on him being behind all of those guys. Um for me he's behind Kellen Winslow. He's behind Travis Kelsey. If Travis Kelsey finishes off his career at the level that He's shown. Uh, I think Shannon Sharp was probably a better tight end, uh, all in all. And then I think we can probably get into the discussion from there. What, what do you think, Ed? So we're saying about eight or nine. Yeah, top That's ten. That's probably reasonable. Top 10's yeah, because then we've got. I think you, it's then fair you start to get into some of the old time, older time guys like Ozzy Newsom, yeah, you know. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because while you guys were talking about it, I was. Obviously, they're just stats and they don't say everything, but I was comparing numbers and I noticed that with, I believe it was Antonio Gates, he had more catches and yards, but he severely lacked in the touchdown department. In terms of Antonio Gates? Yeah. Wit, big wit against Antonio Gates? Yeah. I think Antonio Gates is a better player. I think he's a better player, and I'm with, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a fan of the team, but I think... Uh, I think Big Wit's a Hall of Famer, and but, I, agree with, I agree with Adam as well in terms of longevity what does that mean i mean and the other thing about witten is i will say this for witten i think he's probably top 10 uh ruptured spleen um acls that dude he played through a lot of injury i know a lot of these guys do adam because of their you know because of the game they play but you go back and check out uh, uh jason witten's injury report and he he was one tough dude Consecutive games played uh, 235 uh, at one point, and like he's a model of longevity, and he put up the numbers in that longevity. So I think he's a Hall of Fame guy. But for me, he falls into the you know second or third uh, second tier or third. of the top ten guys. Ozzy Newsom, Kel- you know, Kellen Winslow was great. That's what I'm saying. Like I think Kellen Winslow probably has to be a, a guy you put up above what he did. We'll be back tomorrow to be Ed, Adam, and Danny. You here tomorrow, Danny? I always got to check. Of course I'm here. I'm always here. Where's Jared?